It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. This evening, our guest is going to be Sylvia Schultz, author of, well, other things, but this is her newest book, 44 Years in Darkness, A True Story of Madness, Tragedy, Tragedy and Shattered Love. Uh, it's got to do with the Peoria State Hospital about one particular person, and it's going to be pretty interesting to talk to her. So good evening, ladies. How are we? Hola. Good. Hola! And we also have a cool correspondence later. Uh, a correspondence, because it's plural. We have two, two. correspondence, that's right. Yes, correspondence. I listened to it, it was cool. Yeah, it's very cool. So what's new and exciting? Anything, Karen? Anything new and exciting in your life? In my life, in is there anything new and exciting? Life. Well, so we have our um, haunted, or spirited October at the Lewis County Historical Mu- Museum coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting on Saturday, as a matter of fact, um, I don't know what's going on here. Cheryl's just sending word word at a time, apparently. Yes. Um, anyway, very distracting, Cheryl. Very distracting. Yeah, Dash thanks, Cheryl. Cheryl. We're doing I'm a show sorry. here. I'm sorry. It's because folks, you can't see it. There's a wolf spider up in our. Uh, I put a picture week, of a wolf spider up in chat. So Cheryl's sending one word at a time to get rid of it, so she doesn't have to see it. As I'm assuming what's happening. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Uh, oh, anyway, so we yes. have our Spirited October events coming up, um, and that is, uh, the, it, the first one is Saturday evening. Author Joe Teeples is going to be coming and talking about real-world vampires, and the following Saturday I'm teaching a Crystals for Healing class. Nice! Cheryl, yeah. anything, anything with you, Cheryl? Same old. So, wow, I'm not teaching anything, good. unfortunately. I'm just. Thank God you're not one of our guests. We'd be a lot of dead air going <laughs> right now. <laughs> that's all you, Cheryl. Same old. That's it. That's all I can say. What's new with you? Uh, me? Uh, well, see, November 4th, here at the Census Samadhi, I'll be teaching a class on listening to your inner voice and also meditation on top of it. Other than that. Your inner I mean, voice or your inner voice? Inner, in, inter. Inner voice. Now I'm just messing with you. Inner voice. And uh, we'll do a guided meditation on top of it. It's like a two-hour class. That'll be pretty fun. Um, hopefully people in the community will come and check it out because it's going to be me, you know, high energy and wacky as usual. So um, other than that, um, that's Hey, really I know. I'm, a, I'm excited. I, I've got something exciting. Turns what? out that I'm inspiring. You're... <laughs> As- yeah. Aspire, yeah, Aspire Magazine. Um, every month they do the ten most inspiring books, mm-hmm. and Crystals for Healing was one of them. Yeah, I got that book. Yeah, uh-huh. I have a. I. Uh, it makes my uh my sign. That was really. I mean, I, I. You know, I know it's not anything huge, but that's no, it's cool. Exciting. It's huge. Yeah. It's a big yeah. thing. It's pretty cool. When I saw, it, I was like, "Get out of here!" And I know her. <laughs> I I'm gonna have cool. to pretend I don't know you now. Oh, oh whoa! <laughs> I don't know who that guy is, and I, I never signed this book. That's a forgery. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> he signed it himself. Yeah, I signed myself. And those pictures, pen. those pictures that he has of himself with me, those are photoshops. <laughs> I just took a picture and cut it and pasted it in. Well, now you gave my secret out. Okay. My friend Michelle and I used to do that back before Photoshop, like back in the eighties. We uh-huh. would take like pictures from People magazine, and then we would take photographs of our friends and stuff, and we would cut <laughs> out their heads and put them on, and they were really good, way better than Photoshop. Yeah, we did it long before it was a popular thing. I made memes years ago before they were a thing. <laughs> I can never say I did that, Cheryl. Did you ever do anything like that? No. Did you? I, no, I didn't okay. do that. Oh, I know. That's crazy. I don't know. That's because you're not inspiring or creative. I like guess me. not. I'm sad now. <laughs> do you have her book too, Cheryl? I did do. You get a, I do you have a signed copy too. or is it a forged copy? I did like get mine, a signed or? copy. Oh, we'll have to so work on oh, now he's going to act like you. Oh, you're not as important. <laughs> you know, here's the thing about signing books. So I'm always really happy to sign books for people because it means something to them. But it's still a really weird thing for me to do to sign books. When Good people say, something. can I get this? I just, it's, I, I, it reminds me, it takes me kind of back to high school. And signing yearbooks. And I want to say stuff like it was cool sitting behind me in algebra, <laughs> stay sweet. Although everybody would spell it like stay sweat. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah but that's nice. I like it. You and know, every once in a while I do give in to that. It, you know, something like that. It was fun being in gym with you. <laughs> Have a good summer. <laughs> <laughs> they look at me like, what? Say, Woo! Uh-huh. Well... Yeah, so, uh, I mean, other than that, all I have is the class. I don't really have as much as you do, but I'm getting there. I'm building up my repertoire. Are you building up your reps, your cred? My creds, my street creds. Dude, I have, like, zero cred. Oh, wait. I forgot, though. I was on the Big Sands podcast. That just rolled out. uh, Oh, yeah, you were on with our buddy Patrick. Yeah, people liked it, so it was cool. So that's running right now. You can get on there, and you can check that out. You can go on any of my pages and click on it or go to... You know, to his uh, Big Science podcast, uh, you know, Facebook page, and click on there. So there you go. Well, um, I do have some interesting stuff to talk about. One of them that'll be interesting to Karen in particular. So may we roll it, Cheryl? Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for news of the strange. (laughs) Okay, here we go. This is the first one, okay? Now, now, I want you to wait until I'm done before you comment, Karen. Okay, so this is called, uh, and, and you might have seen it on Facebook. It's out and about right now. It's pretty popular. There's a new invention which claims to, to control your dreams. I got this off mirror.com.uk. Yes, it is a new app, uh, so check this out. Could this be the end of unpleasant and anxiety-induced dreams about our teeth falling out or turning up somewhere naked? If six years later you're still scratching your head over Leonardo's fate at the end of Inception, then don't worry, we're in the same boat. Like the film plot, the subconscious is a complex and slippery thing. You never know what thoughts, ideas, worries, and experiences might manifest themselves during your dreams. But what if you could control your dreams? It may sound eerily familiar to the concept behind Inception, but it has in some way become a reality. And if you could stop and have those scary and anxiety-induced dreams about turning up to work, you know, naked, you know, wouldn't you jump at the chance to do so? So the brains behind iBand Plus have crafted such an invention which could make this happen. But how does it work? 
According to its makers, the truly smart wireless Bluetooth EEG headband, iBand Plus, senses your brain waves with laboratory-leveled accuracy. It also conceals special health tracking sensors to measure body movement, heart rate, and body temperature. So in a nutshell and in layman's terms, iBand Plus induces induces lucid dreams based on your previous sleep cycles with the help of audiovisual stimuli. It also claims to help you wake up at a natural, natural and healthy point in your sleep cycle. Why lucid dreams, though? Okay, there's REM and there's NREM, and it's during the final stages of the former when we typically have the most dreams. During this phase, the body is largely disconnected from the brain, effectively leaving the muscles incapable of movement, which in turn is the reason we don't act out our dreams, which tend to be lucid. Once you are in a lucid dream, the makers explains, you can take control of your dreams, actions, and consciously reshape the dream to fulfill any fantasy and experience anything that you could imagine. So in a nutshell, it induces lucid dreams based on previous sleep cycles. So... To control your dreams, however, you must first become aware that you are dreaming. The creators of this new product states that iBand Plus will help you do that as well. So the question is, do you want to control your dreams? If you want to find out more about this, you can go to iBands. Just go to www.kickstarter.com because that's where this is actually rolling out right now. And it was funny that I read this because I just saw, I think it was my son or my daughter-in-law, I think my son, that posted I like a whole video of this exact same thing that I'm talking about. So what do you think about that? Well, so Cheryl, wasn't yes. Bill, wasn't Bill Murphy doing something like that? Mm-hmm. He was, mm-hmm. he was working with Is that his? a tool. I don't think so. Um, his was involving lucid dreaming mm-hmm. and he is, well, that's what this was. Chuck was yeah. talking about. Yeah, that's what was the what name of the device? About? This, this one's I called iBand Iband Plus. It has like a plus after it. So I think it's iBand Plus. I don't know, but I didn't see his I name. I think that might be his. Could be. You have to. You can go on Facebook and think there's, or go to Kickstarter.com and just put it uh, iBand Plus, and you'll get to see if it's actually his mm-hmm. or not. But yeah. I thought those yeah. were interesting. That I mean, what do you think about? Would you want? I don't know if I want to control my dreams. I prefer to let. Oh, them. lucid dreams are cool, but um, are cool. if you if you lucid dream all the time, you're uh, losing a valuable tool as far as learning things about yourself um, because dreams are one of the easiest ways for your subconscious to contact you. Okay, right. I just looked it up real quick so we could clarify. Bill, It looks like Bill Murphy's device is called DreamNet. A okay. lucid oh. dreaming headband. So it's, it's uh, the same type Similar. of thing, but different yeah. product. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was the first one I had. Okay. So my next one up is called SpaceX Plans Humans on Mars by 2022. Now, you know, we talk, I've heard about this so many times where they're going to ship ship us off to Mars. I'm just really not sure if that would even work. But, I mean, I, I don't know a lot, not a lot about it. This comes from TheGuardian.com. Elon Musk has outlined his extraordinary ambitions plans to make mankind an interplanetary species. Speaking at the International Astronaut astronautical congress in mexico this week spacex ceo suggested that a manned mission to mars could happen within as little as six years which that's pretty crazy to be that fast what i really want to try to achieve here is to make mars seem possible like it's something we can achieve in our lifetime he told the audience to this end musk outlined the design and development of a new multi-stage launch and transport system with a massive reusable rocket booster that would be as long as two boeing 747 aircrafts Capable of carrying up to 100 people, the gargantuan booster could be refueled in orbit orbit, and may eventually be able to travel beyond Mars to other worlds such as Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, Musk also suggested that the first ship 
should be named Heart of Gold as a tribute to Douglas Adams' science fiction novel, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. While questions still remain about the cost and technology feasibility of sending humans to Mars so soon, the plans have been generally well-received elsewhere in the scientific community. NASA applauds all those who want to take the next giant leap and advance the journey to Mars. We are very pleased that the global community is working to meet the challenges of a sustainable human presence on Mars, states NASA. This journey will require the best and brightest minds from the government and industry, and the fact that Mars is a major topic of discussion is very encouraging. Okay, so if you could go to Mars, would you go to Mars? Would you just would you just fly up to the old red uh, planet? Um, if I could afford to and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I might. Yeah, just although you know, I could I could go to Australia, and I've never been there, so it would be the kind of a travel thing as much as anything else. Uh, right. You know, time uh, and budget, man. I don't know if I could do the space thing, Cheryl. If could time you and budget allowed, I could do it. Do you? Okay. Yeah, if, if if I had the money and I knew it was safe, I would totally do it. Wow, you guys, <laughs> I'm the only one that would chicken out and not do it because you know once you're up there, yeah, man, but here's wrong, the thing, here's the thing Chuck. You <laughs> don't like air, you don't like airplanes, and I couldn't even get you to ride in a car across a bridge. <laughs> yeah, that so that I sort true. of understand. Yes. Where where you are with that? Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, that bridge was kind of freaky. So, anyways, okay. And my last one is, now this one's kind of interesting. It's called FBI Wanted Tesla Death Ray Invention for the War Department Documents Show. This comes from RT.com. The FBI has finally published its cache of files relating to Nikola Tesla 73 years after two truckloads of his property were seized by the United States government following the renowned inventor's death. The declassified documents have been released under the Freedom of Information Act and reveal the FBI and government's serious interest in the death ray, a particle beam weapon which Tesla claims to have invented. The long-awaited release also contains information on Tesla's ball lightning experiments and an FBI plot to arrest a family member who they believe was trying to get his hands on Tesla's treasure trove of documents. Serbian-born Tesla is most famous for designing, of course, AC electricity supply systems. He is also known for his foresight predicting the smartphone and video calling. He died at the age of 85 in New York, Sweden, on what was believed to be January 7th, 1943. However, one of the new released documents, a letter dated January 12th, 1943, states that an inquiry established Tesla actually died on January 8th. It also detailed how the government office of Alien Property Control seized all of Tesla's property, sealed all articles, and brought them to the Manhattan Storage Warehouse in New York City. The letter expressed concern that as Tesla was a naturalized U.S. citizen, they might not have jurisdiction over his property, but felt confident they could keep the materials away from any other agency for at least two days. In 1951, an American court uh, declared that Sava Kuznovic was the rightful heir to the property, and the materials were transferred to Belgrade and is now housed in the Nikola Tesla Museum. Also among the documents released is a letter addressed to uh, J. Edgar Hoover, the first director of the FBI, highlighting an article about Tesla's death ray invention, suggesting it could be of vital importance to the War Department, as well as that of other nations now controlled by insane dictators. It also recommended that the constant guarding of Tesla to ensure his protection against alien enemies who may be interested in the secret of such an invaluable instrument of war or defense. Another document shows the FBI concerned that a nephew whom they said Tesla intensely disliked, was trying to gain possession of these important documents and plans. The Bureau also feared that he would make such information available to the enemy. In a memorandum in the FBI records dating January 9th, 1943, stated that Tesla had performed many experiments in connection with the wireless transmission of electrical power, commonly known as the death ray. 
A protege of Tesla, Boyce Fitzgerald, said in an interview with a government official that Tesla told him just a month before his death that these experiments had been completed and perfected. Fitzgerald says he was also aware of the revolutionary type of torpedo designed by Tesla. Now, the FBI says it's not involved in, such, in searching Tesla's effects and it never had possession of his papers or any microfilm that may have been made of those papers. So that's the story on our creepy idea that someone out there has a, a death ray that can just, like, wipe us out, like, just fry us up. So what do you guys okay. think about that one? Whatever. Okay. Okay. Yeah, John, shoot me. Shoot me the death ray. I think that's kind of you freaking You know, me here's out. the thing. When yeah, I die, what's, what's I up? die. Well, yeah, but I don't want to die with my, my particles blown apart. Why? Rather... What's the matter? You'd be dead. Because it's, you wouldn't just... know. You wouldn't <laughs> just happen would instantaneously. Oh, I, well, I know as they pointed at me before they pulled the trigger. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, crap. Boop, done. Yeah, I know. But it's just weird. Because then, you know, maybe they blow all my particles that apart. That might be the most exciting moment of your life. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. Okay. So, it, it, I mean, does it sound kind of interesting, though? I mean, it's kind of cool that they actually could have. I mean, I, I believe that the man could have done it, yes. I mean, with all his ingenuity, I would believe that that is entirely possible. Sure. Though, of course, you know, the FBI is saying that they don't have anything. That's just, they never lie. So, of course, they have to tell us. <laughs> right. So, right. you know, there you go. So, that is the news for this evening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed delivering it. It, so, it, it was lovely. Why, why, thank you. And you're lovely. So thank you very much. Yeah, I'm looking totally hot tonight. Oh, man, that's, that sweatshirt, just bam. It's just Wearing a, a hoodie, and I got my hair in a ponytail, and I'm not wearing any makeup. Well, maybe I like to see women in hoodies. And my, nail, my nail polish is a little bit... No, it's not chipped. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to worry about your nail polish, as long as you know. It's not chipped, and we're okay. So, yes. So it's going to be fun to talk to Sylvia this evening. <laughs> And uh, all the things about the Peoria. I, I always wanted to go to, uh, is it Bartonville? Uh, yeah, Bartonville, Illinois, to the Peoria State Hospital. But I just never had a chance to get out there. I almost did once. And then I think it changed. It was a ways back. But it changed hands, like ownership or whatever. And then we had to wait. Because I know an Al, my friend who had passed away, uh, had kind of had something kind of pre-set up. We never just never made it out there. How so. far is it away from where you are, Chuck? It's not that far. I, I can't remember how many hours it was, but it was is not that far within a few you know a few hours of drive. I mean, I, I would still like to check into it to see if I could go there. Um, that would be kind of like Ashmore too. That's another one I always mm -hmm. wanted to go to. Ashmore. Yeah, I've heard about so that almost, one too. I almost got to go because somebody um, on Facebook that I talked to, that they're paranormal investigators. They were going to go, and then a couple of their teammates kind of dropped off, and then and they, out of the blue they contacted me. Of course. You know, I had to work, so God forbid I get to go. So, uh, but I would have went if I didn't have to work. That'd have been kind of fun to go out there and uh, to check that place out too. So it'll be interesting to talk about this because I don't know something about I don't know uh, I don't know what it is about hospitals or schools to me as far as being haunted. It just seems they seem eerie. I don't know why, but they do. I mean, would you agree or disagree? Well, hospitals. I don't. I don't know about schools, but. You know, hospitals because you have, you know, people who are really sick and dying and, you I know. know. I don't know what it's about schools and children and creepy children ghosts and I don't know. Creepy? What? Why are they creepy? Well, I don't know. You know, if, you know, if not, you know, because children die too. So if they're, they're young and they die, I don't know. It just seems uh, eerier, I guess. Are you saying creepy chil cre children ghosts are creepier? 
Uh, yeah, I feel you that. You know, there are people it's... who believe that. I see, to me, child ghost, children ghosts always made me really sad because they were yeah. in the prime of their life. And maybe the reason they're still sticking around as ghosts is because they lack some kind of an understanding um, mm-hmm. about moving on. Mm-hmm. But not creepy. Mm-mm. No, no. For me, they just seem creepy. Not, I mean, just because they didn't get to live their full life out, and they're just, you know, they're now they're. they're of course, it is sad. I know some children I, who are kind of creepy, but <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> children that are kind of creepy. So, but no, it just seems haunting in that way, you know. So I don't know. Something yeah, creepy yeah about. that makes sense. Haunting, yes. Okay, I could go with haunting. Haunting. Well, thank you. Thanks for agreeing with me. Thanks very much. All right. So there you go. Well, you were just going to keep at it till I did. So finally, I just, you know, <laughs> sucked it up and said, okay. Wow. Thanks. Thanks okay, very Jack. much. You have to tell me that part. I would have felt better, but okay. Whatever. Okay. So I, am, I am incredibly honest. It's a Sagittarius thing. Sagittarians yeah. often are, are, are truth bombs. Well, I wasn't well, expecting to agree. I was just stating my case. I was just saying I still think it's creepy. Everybody's you know, entitled to their opinion, so I, I, I understand you don't think it's creepy. I wasn't putting down your opinion. I oh, said, oh. okay. See, look at that. Tom said it's about two and a half hours away. I was close. You're there close. you go. Ba-boom. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, there's hours and there's two Tom. And there's, hours, uh, two and a half hours is nothing. Yeah, no, it's nothing. So I'm going to drive down there. I'm going to check this so, place out. So yes? I want to say thank you to our in-chat room listeners, Tom, yes. Bob, Jessica, Others because listening elsewhere like that I can't see their names, but they're on mobile devices. But thank you. And if you're listening to on podcast later, thank you, too. Yeah, thanks a lot. I noticed that I was it. I, is iPhone is the number one way people listen to us. I believe that is correct. I believe that is correct. That is really cool. iPhone that is really cool. Well, you know, it's easy to do. And then you can just plug it in. You can plug it in and plug it into your stereo in your car and listen to us like we're just mm-hmm. driving around. So everybody. Thank you on Android devices. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, my co-host just lost her mind. Just ignore this part of the segment. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're going to break it down, people in England, thank you, people. In yeah. Thank you, Canadians. Thank you. I know we only have one minute. Where's that breakdown of countries that listen to us? Obviously, yeah, the United all States. And, and all others. Is number one. Australia. Others. Thank you. Where's that all list? Others. Oh, there you it is. So, so let me just yeah. tell you real quick. Here's our top 10 countries that listen to us, okay? United States, Canada, Woo-hoo. United Kingdom, Australia, uh-huh. Mexico, Ireland. Oh, Mexico. Thank you, Ireland. Thank you. Boom. Germany, Netherlands, New Zealand, and others. Thank you, too. Thank you. I know. I read, I read one time there were people in Vietnam that listened to us. And that's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're all over the world. Mm-hmm. We love no, our peeps all over the world. We have to start making it like a bilingual show where we just start translating in different languages. Oh, my God. That would be cool. That would be tri- – no, that would be multilingual. Karen speaking Spanish. That would be interesting. Have like someone <laughs> dub over. Okay. Since we're doing this real quick before commercial, top 10 U.S. states, California okay. number one. Then New York, yeah. Texas, Florida, Ooh. Illinois, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and others. Oh, well, thank Ooh. you. Yay. All right. Up. And with that, you know what? <laughs> we have to go to break. <laughs> oh, okay. But when we come back, we'll be, li- we'll be listening to. <laughs> I hope not. We'll be talking with Sylvia about Sweet. 44 Years in Darkness. So stick around. <laughs> You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. 
Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. I'm a member of hauntedshirtclub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Fraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to getspooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to getspooked.net slash YouTube. My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change Yourself. This is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and author with Spirits of New England, writer and correspondent with Paranormal Underground Magazine. Also, starting this Sunday, August 28th at 10 p.m., you can catch me on Haunted Case Files, which will highlight numerous investigations from our Spirits of New England team, as well as other investigators throughout the Northeast. Find out more at our website at www.spiritsofnewengland.org. So, you're looking for the best in paranormal radio? Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR. 
we will delve into all things paranormal, and along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. You are listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on Mixlr with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. Whenever you do the countdown, Cheryl, I always want to think of a rocket. I don't know why. Like, I'm just going to blast <laughs> off or something. But anyways, um, our guest is with us this evening, Miss Sylvia Schultz, author of, well, lots of books. But we're going to talk about 44 Years in Darkness, a true story of madness, tragedy, and shattered love. Hi, Sylvia. Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm delighted to be here with you oh, guys. I'm delighted that you're here with us. So there Thank you go. You. Double deliciously <laughs> delighted. How you like that? So fantastic. Where do you, let's see? Let's see. Where do we want to start, Sylvia? Let's start about um, what? What? Let's just start. I always like to start back to where you got into the paranormal or what made you interested in the paranormal. So how about we just start sure. there? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good time to do this, too, because um, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. Hey! I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I grew up with Tales of Archer Avenue and oh. Resurrection Mary. Oh. And my dad told me, well, my dad told me most of the ghost stories about the screaming mummy at the Field Museum. Yes, and yes, 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 yes. I'm from Chicago, bag. yes, so yes. Yep, exactly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. That's what got me hooked. And the reason I say it's a good time to, to ask me that question mm-hmm. is I am going to get into the car tomorrow. I live in Pekin, which is right outside Peoria, about two and a half hours south of Chicago. Okay. And I am going to get in the car tomorrow and drive to the Chicago Ghost Convention, the Chicago Dark Shores Convention. Oh, tomorrow. nice. So, nice. Yeah. Some friends of mine have put together a new YouTube show, Shadow Hunters. And I'm going to give them a little quick shout out here. They went to investigate the Pollock Hospital with me, the, one of the remaining buildings of the Peoria State Hospital. And I got to yes. be their native guide. So they are debuting that episode at the convention. And it's going to blow people's minds. There's so much fabulous evidence. Awesome. And it was just a great time. And I'm really looking forward to it. What, what but was it being held... Yeah. What was it called again now? What were they called? Oh, it's, oh they're called Shadow Hunters. So go Shadow on YouTube okay, and right like now. Shadow Hunters. Okay. And gotcha. prepare to have your mind blown because this is great stuff. This is awesome. fabulous, wonderful evidence. Awesome. And I was there for it. So I can guarantee you that what you see on the screen is what happened. Wow. So, so yeah, yeah, I see you you were a paranormal investigator doing like research for like, was it Ghosts of the Illinois River along white ways yeah. back, right? Okay. That was um, my first nonfiction book. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all these things in Chicago and the Chicago line area, which is kind of cool because I'm from there, so I can relate to all this. Um, yeah, and this all- is this is going to weird you out. I have never been. The, the convention is being held at the Willowbrook Ballroom. I've never been to I it never, ever. I've no? never Talk been. You should either. totally go. What the heck? <laughs> I know. I didn't know. I did. Is it? When is it? Tomorrow? Uh, yes, yeah, t- tomorrow and Saturday. Oh my yeah. God! I gotta write so this down. Willowbrook Ballroom. <laughs> Willowbrook Ballroom. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. I was out. I've been out and about there uh, when I was like, we'd say like in the '80s. I was running up and down Archer uh-huh. Avenue on foot 
trying to catch Resurrection Mar- Mary, we went over to the cemetery, <laughs> and then we, we got uh-huh. Chet from Chet's Melody Lounge came out and said, hey, you guys can't go in there, you'll get in trouble. Then he brought us over, and since we were underage, we couldn't go in the bar, but he sat there and told us all these stories of Resurrection Mary, and yeah, I used to do a lot of uh, investigating in that in that area, a lot of investigating. Oh, cool. That's pretty cool. Well, the, the convention is being held there, and mm-hmm. then five minutes down the road is Chet's Melody Lounge, which yep. is where all these drivers end up after picking her up. Yes. And um, so the after party is being held there. It's a costume ball. Oh, wow. It's going to be fun on a bun. It's going to be yeah. so much fun. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they leave a drink for I her at the end of the bar. Day. Yep, they, they yeah. leave a drink at the bar and yeah. in the bar for us. That's cool. All right, so. Oh, in case people don't yes. know what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the Legend of Resurrection Mary is one of Chicago's most enduring ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Um, there was There are two girls who might fit the profile of who Resurrection Mary might be. Mary Bragovi and I disremember the other girl's name. But mm-hmm. in the 20s or 30s, um, these, this teenager, this teenage girl, um, went to a dance at the Willowbrook Ballroom and danced the night away and then was killed on the way home. That's mm-hmm. the history. The legend of this is that um, if you're driving along, and it's it's usually male, well, it's always male drivers, and they're always alone, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, there was a and, cab driver that um, picked her up once. That's yeah, the yeah. I, yeah. There's a family story in my family that my a friend of my cousin's once gave a motorcycle ride to her. <laughs> I've never been oh. able to trace that down. Really? But um, these, okay. these guys will pick up this hitchhiker. She's a phantom hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. So they'll pick this girl up who's was, was dressed in a white dress, really... Uh, not appropriate for the season. Sometimes they'll pick her up in the winter and she's wearing just the dress and not a coat or anything. And they'll mm-hmm. drive with her for a while and then she'll ask to be let out. And when she's let out, it's always in front of the gates of Resurrection Cemetery, which is how she got the nickname Resurrection Mary. So that is one of the famous ghost stories of Chicago. Yeah, that's for, awesome. For audience that might not know there what we're go. talking about. I'm getting so excited about Resurrection Mary. No, that's Mary. okay. Well, yeah, I have I have like the cassette of the Resurrection Mary song that they made for it. Oh, and yeah. Because uh, Richard T. Crow, uh, who passed away, sure, was a good, sure, he's yeah. a good friend of mine. We, I, uh, When I was a kid, oh. I knew him. And we grew up together kind of. And then he started the Chicago you know, you know ghost tours. And I used to take yeah. the tours all the time with my brother and sister-in-law. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. So, all right, so let's move on to... The Peoria State Hospital, which I've never, I've always wanted to go to Bartonville, Illinois to go there, but I've never had the chance. Um, Oh, you should. It's a marvelous place. So, yeah. So I grew up listening to all these ghost stories and never realized that I could go out and do these things myself and have these experiences and gather these stories myself until Mm -hmm. I moved down here (laughs) and realized that, yes, you can go out looking for ghosts on your own. Mm-hmm. I had the great good fortune to move to Pekin when I, well, before I got married, but um, I live in Pekin now. Mm-hmm. And we live just a 10-minute motorcycle ride away from one of the very most haunted spots in the state of Illinois. It's called the Peoria State Hospital, and it, it is an abandoned mental asylum. Now, when you say haunted mental asylum, your mind automatically goes all American horror story on you, mm-hmm, and yes. you automatically assume 
that you know what's going on, you automatically assume that there was pain and fear and abuse. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful to be able to tell people that was not the case at the Peoria State Hospital. Okay. When it opened in 1902, this was cutting-edge treatment of the mentally ill. It was the first hospital, the first insane asylum that was devoted to long-term care. All the other asylums, if you didn't get better within two years, you were kicked out. You were discharged as incurable, and somebody else took your bed that had a chance of actually being cured at the asylum. The Peoria State Hospital? No. Dr. Zeller, the the first superintendent of the hospital, said, Mm -hmm. these people need us. They can stay as long as they need to. If that's their whole life, fine. So Mm -hmm. be it. We will care for them their entire life. Wow. Now, now I know that the the actual hospital was, there were a lot of different buildings, correct? Yes, uh, originally. There were 63 buildings on, yes, on the hilltop yeah. at the asylum's height. Exactly. So yeah. I remember looking at photographs and, you know, that because yeah. I like to do the history on it. And yeah. So, but there's only, is there only one building left you can go in or a couple? Isn't there? Oh, there, okay. there are 13 buildings left. Uh, just a couple that you can still go in. There is right, one. Exactly you can go in that is devoted to paranormal investigation. That's the Pollock Hospital. Okay. Um, the Bowen was open for investigations, but it is sadly closed and is going to come down. Okay. We are going to lose one of our remaining 13, 13 buildings. Uh-huh. And the others, the other 11, are uh-huh. repurposed into... Oh, that one is a restaurant now. One of the cottages still stands, and that's a dentist's office now. Oh. Um, <laughs> the auditorium has become a country western dance bar. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that, oh, my goodness, the auditorium is just loaded with ghosts. Well, all of them are, the Pollock Hospital especially. Mm-hmm. So but all they, of our they, ghosts are very much alive and well. <laughs> but they don't let you investigate any other buildings, just the, the Pollock um, House. Well, you do, but it takes a little bit of doing. I have been on an investigation at the auditorium at the Country Western Dance Bar, but it was just the once. Mm -hmm. And I've been in the Pollock Hospital more times than I can count. Is that the one that's most most active, per se? Oh, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) I like the way you say that. Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, you see, the Pollock Hospital was the tuberculosis ward. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was built on the site where a tuberculosis tent colony had previously stood. So people have been dying of TB on that little patch of land for the entire history of the asylum. Mm -hmm. And between 1950, when the building was built, and 1973, when the asylum closed, Mm -hmm. there was an average of three to five deaths a week in that building. Wow. Well, there's a cemetery, yeah. isn't there? The cemetery right next to it, too? Just steps outside the door, yeah. And because so. of that reason, because it was, it, it saw a lot of death, and they didn't want to expose the other patients to so much death and tragedy, so they put the cemetery very, very close. Mm-hmm. That's Cemetery 2, and Cemetery okay. 1 is just a few short steps away from the um Oh, I just remember which building it used to be, but it is an asylum building. It is now um, a church, the Tabernacle oh. of God Church, the t- okay. table, table of God Church. And um, 
that's where Rhododarius buried is Cemetery One. But yeah, same reason that it's very, very close to the hospital where a lot of people were passing away, so they put the cemetery right there next to it. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you this, the book that you wrote now, though, didn't you write a book before that about just the hospital in general versus yeah, focusing yeah. on one person? Yeah, fractured okay. spirits. Yeah, okay. fractured gotcha. spirits, hauntings at the Peoria State Hospital. Okay. Gotcha. I had originally so, intended to just collect people's stories and experiences mm-hmm. about the hospital because uh-huh. there there were two books written about the history of the place, and they're both at least 15 years old. Okay. And every ghost story book about central Illinois worth its mm-hmm. salt will mention Bartonville as being a very haunted place. But right. until that book was written, nobody had ever gone through and collected all of these, of these stories and all of these experiences in one place. Gotcha. And that's what I did. Okay. And no, while no, working on that, mm-hmm. Go ahead. while working on that, yeah. I, um, I, I learned about the history of the place and the history was so fascinating too that I realized that you can't understand the hauntings of a place without knowing something about the history. So it kind of blended in together, and I was privileged to be able to write just a little bit of the history as well. So what made you decide to, because your your book now, if it's okay to say, is is based on a woman that was stayed there by the name of Rhonda Derry. Um, Derry. I'm sorry, Rhonda Derry, correct. Um, For over 40 years, actually, which is crazy. But... And I read some of the stuff about her, and it was just really sad. But I mean, what what made yeah. you pick that particular? I mean, because there was lots of people. So what made you decide I'm going to center on this particular person? Well, Rhoda's story is very tragic, but it has a redemptive ending, which is something that really appeals to me <laughs> in a story. <laughs> right. Um, I I like learning about that sort of thing. I enjoy writing about that sort of thing. I enjoy sharing that with other people. So that was my goal with this book. Um, Rhoda is one of the Hilltop's favorite ghosts. She's one of our most well-known. And we absolutely adore Rhoda (laughs) because of her tragic history. But we just just adore her. And we consider, we, we always think of her as one of our resident ghosts. And we, there's one picture of Rhoda Derry. You can find it super easy on the web. Just type in Rhoda Derry and boom, that's going to come up. Um, people okay. always have this image of her as mm-hmm. this skeletal, wizened creature sitting on the floor, which is what the photograph depicts, right. the only known photograph of her. But I wanted to show her the way she was in life. I wanted to bring her to life. We'll tell her story later on in the show, but mm-hmm. she, she was a young girl once. She was in love once. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring that part of her to life as well as just the, the husk of a woman she was in her later years. Well, yeah, you want to always paint the picture of the actual person first is the way she, yeah. you know, is the way she started out. Uh, to show uh, the transformation that she unfortunately went through. Um, yeah. Now, this had to do with a, uh, I, I, when I read, this had to do with a, a curse, correct? Of some sorts, yes. that we call it? Okay. Yes, you, she believed uh, she was under a curse. Okay. Um, yeah. Was it the curse from the family of the man she was in love with, correct? Exactly. She was okay. engaged to a, a young man, another farmer's son. Uh, Rhoda mm-hmm. was a farmer's daughter. 
mm-hmm. um, when they were both 16 years old, they met and fell in love, and they courted for a couple of years. We don't know how far their relationship went, but we do know that Charles asked Charles Phoenix asked yes. Rhoda to marry him, and she said yes. Okay. Now, the hitch in this whole situation was that the dairies were extremely poor. Okay. In the census records, they are shown most of the time living with other farm families and boarding. They did not have a farm of their own. Mm-hmm. The, the Phoenixes, on the other hand, were very well off. Oh, Rhoda okay. was the youngest of nine children, the baby of the family, the youngest mm-hmm. daughter. Okay. And... Charles was the oldest son of only four children. So he stood to inherit his father's land. Okay. So when he proposed to Rhoda and Rhoda said, yes, Nancy Phoenix, Charles's mother was livid. Uh She was not about to have her baby boy marry one of these dirt poor dairies. Gotcha. She was very much against the relationship. So she confronted Rhoda in the street Mm-hmm. And she said, if you do not release my son from this engagement, I will curse you. Wow. Now, the interesting thing about this is that talking about witchcraft really would have got Rhoda's attention. Mm-hmm. Rhoda's grandmother, Maldary, was known as the fortune teller of the revolution. Wow. Okay. She actually dressed up as a man and fought alongside her husband, Valentine, in the Revolutionary War. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. Mal is a, a fascinating character, too. Yeah. And after the war, they settled in Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. they and Mal became a practitioner of Pennsylvania Dutch hex magic. Okay. She became famous for being able to lift and cast curses. Okay. So, so I see how the story's Rhoda rolling here. Rhoda had a family history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Rhoda definitely had a family history of... Okay. Of witchcraft. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so as the, as it transpires, of course, and she winds up in the hospital, how, how old was she when she wound up in the hospital? I mean, what, what, age, what age was she at that point? Uh, well, she was, she was 18 when this curse was placed on her. Right. Okay. Um, two years after that, she was committed to the Illinois state hospital for the insane at Jacksonville. Oh my God. So she would have been 20. Okay. Uh, she stayed there for two years. And as I said, if you don't get better in two years, your release is incurable, which is what happened to Rhoda. Okay. She was, they should, they could not treat her. They did talk therapy with her. She was a very violent patient. She was in the violent ward. Mm-hmm. And they just couldn't do anything for her, so they eventually let her go back to her family. Wow! And she she was she she spent a couple of years with her family, living in their cabin. Um, her family cared for, for her at home mm-hmm. as, long, as long as they could. Right. But in 1860, her mother died. Okay. And her mother was the only person that seemed to understand what Rhoda was going through. Um, Before she was committed to the Jacksonville, the asylum at Jacksonville, Rhoda would suffer from hallucinations. She swore that invisible witches were flying around their cabin and attacking her. Uh So Rachel took to keeping a loaded pistol in her apron pocket. (laughs) When Rhoda would suffer these attacks, 
Rachel would whip out this pistol and start firing around the cabin, driving these witches away for Rhoda. Wow. So she kind of she kind of enabled. Yeah, I was going to say, that's enabling, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when, when Rachel died in 1860, Rhoda was just lost. She had nobody that understood her. Mm-hmm. So her father made the decision to have her committed to the Adams County Almshouse. Okay. Now, an almshouse is not the same as an asylum. Okay. An almshouse is just sort of a social safety net for the poor of a state. Um, if you're down on your luck, if you lose your farm or whatever, can't find a job, you can go apply at an almshouse to live there and you're guaranteed three hots in a cot. And if you're able to work, they put you to work for your rum and board. So they put this they woman, not, put, so wait, so they put this woman that was definitely not just finding a place to kick back and relax, um, <laughs> in with like all these other people that were just trying to have a place to live and work. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of exactly. mentally ill people wound up in poor houses. Wow. That's right. sad, yeah, it's just yeah. a sad fact of life that yeah. the mentally ill are poor too. Right. But the, the almshouse was absolutely not equipped to care mm-hmm. for the mentally ill, mm-hmm. much less somebody with that depth of crazy right. that Rhoda was suffering from. Okay. So I'm sure she didn't last long there before uh <laughs> Well, what happened to Rhoda in the almshouse was this. She was a very violent patient. Mm-hmm. Um, she developed a condition called pica, which is an, a compulsion to in, eat an appropriate object. She would crawl around on the floor. If she found anything on the floor, a penny, a nail, into her mouth, it would go. She oh. would um, just, if she was served fried chicken at a meal, she would just cram the bones into her mouth, too. Um, oh yeah she um she would attack other female residents and pick the buttons off of her their blouses and try to swallow them oh wow that's that's kind of freaky i mean no offense but that's kind of freaky all right so she's she's in this place (laughs) and she's roaming around the floors eating odd objects Right, right. While that meant meant she had nutrient deficiencies. That was what pica is related to is nutrient deficiencies. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's entirely possible too. Okay. So Um, then so what happened then? She was abandoned by everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah, she her mother was dead. Her fiance was goodness knows where. Her family had abandoned her. So she started to lash out. She was violent. For her own protection and for that of her fellow almshouse residents, Mm -hmm. the superintendent of the almshouse decided to have Rhoda put into something called a Utica crib. And that is about the same size as a baby's crib, but not quite as tall. And it's got a lid, too, that locks with bars on it. Rhoda's crib was lined with straw. Okay. The mice would run over her. Straw? Why would they? Oh, okay. Straw, yes. All right. Okay. A regular Utica crib. They were they were in use in asylums at that time in history, okay. the late nineteenth yeah. century. Um, okay. They were usually lined with a hospital mattress, and they were only designed for use overnight. Okay. But Rhoda was kept in this cage for weeks and months on end. 
when she was let out, she was cared for by other feeble-minded uh, residents of the almshouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her hips atrophied from not being able to get out and walk around. Yeah, gee, so funny how that would out, happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When she was let out, she could no longer stand and walk. She had to crawl around on the floor. Oh. And so sometime sad. in the first 10 years, she clawed her own eyes out. She, I guess she figured it was better than watching the world go by through the bars of a cage. Wow. Yeah. Wow. She spent decades in this situation. 44 years she was in the almshouse. And uh, I think she said she died in like, was it 1906 or? Yes. Yes. And I did say her story had a redemptive ending. Um, In 1904, Mm -hmm. Dr. Zeller decided to go around to the almshouses. Okay. He, he was absolutely convinced that no patient was incurable. He okay. felt that it was the asylum's mandate to find people and help them. Cool. So how do you prove that nobody's incurable? You go out and you cherry pick the worst of the worst cases. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to go around to all these wretched almshouses and find the most horrible maltreated cases, and I'm going to bring them to my asylum, and I'm going to see what we can do with them, and I'm going to see how we can help them. Okay. So he went to the Adams County Alms House. He found Rhoda in a box bed. She had been moved to a box bed at that point. Mm-hmm. And he said, this woman is coming with me. <laughs> and the superintendent of the Alms House didn't want to let Rhoda go because he figured that the Alms House was going to be blamed for her condition. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, duh. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> To say, yeah, right. okay. So, so, so the you train, took, okay. The train from Bartonville, from Quincy to Bartonville, mm-hmm. got in very late that night. There was a washout on the tracks. There were about 60 patients being transferred from the almshouse in Quincy to the asylum at Bartonville. Okay. So, it was only about 1.30 in the morning when the nurses and the attendants got the call that the train had finally gotten to the station. So they go onto the train, they escort the patients off of these boxcars. They were being transported on boxcars. Okay. And they, a couple of attendants got onto the boxcars, making sure that nobody had been left behind. And at one end of the boxcar, they see this great big wicker laundry basket. And they look at each other, they're like, oh, uh, laundry? Patient clothing, I guess? Uh, I guess this comes off the train, too. So one attendant on either end of this huge wicker laundry basket, and they hump it off of the boxcar, and they plop it down onto the concrete pad of the station. Mm-hmm. And just as they do that, just as they set this basket down, the lid of the basket pops open, the clothes part, and there sits Rhoda, jabbering at people toothlessly. She wow. had been carried, been loaded into this basket because Mm -hmm. she could not sit in a chair for any length of time at all because her hips were so wasted. Mm -hmm. And that night, for the first time in 44 years, Rhoda Derry slept in a bed with clean white sheets. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 
Wow. So she spent the last two years of her life with us on the hilltop. Mm-hmm. She spent the last two years being waited on hand and foot by devoted nurses. They knew her excruciating history, so they made sure she wanted for nothing. Mm-hmm. They, they cared for her up until the day she died. And when she died, they were distraught. They were not like, oh, yeah, thank goodness we don't have to take care of her anymore. They were, they were devastated that she had died. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's a, that's such a nice, you know, end to all that sadness. That's just really sad. That's a sad yeah. story otherwise, you know? So, okay. So yeah. now we, we're going to come to present time and evidently yeah. her spirit still, well, I can't even say roams really because she couldn't walk. So I mean, but her spirit, you know, that'd be kind of silly to say that, but her spirit is, is, is in within this building and well, it's all over the hilltop. She and how really does, enjoyed how does she, all of the hilltops. Yeah, how does she appear? I mean, what? give us some insight into how do we know it's her? What, you know <laughs> what I mean? That's an how, excellent question, you know. and there is an excellent answer for it. Well, I was uh, hoping so. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be like, uh, oh, I don't know, Chuck. And I'd be like, oh, well, okay, we're done with the interview. Thanks, everyone. Oh, uh, I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> all right, yeah. No, okay. no, there's, there's a very specific sign that Rhoda is around. Okay. When she was a teenager, Rhoda picked up the habit of chewing tobacco. Okay. Yeah. Interesting habit. <laughs> All right. So um, it, the family legend has it that she would tell your fortune in exchange for a chew of tobacco. Okay. And even when she was at the Peoria State Hospital, she continued this habit. And if she knew that you had chaw in your pocket, she would crab across the floor to you and yank on your pants leg, begging for some tobacco. Okay. So the lore is that if you are anywhere on the hilltop, especially standing in front of Rhoda's grave in Cemetery One, okay. and if you feel a tugging on your pants leg and smell chewing tobacco, that's Rhoda trying to make contact with you. Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, I mean, has, has, has there been like visuals of her? I mean, you know, like apparitions or, um, uh, I have not heard of anyone taking a photograph of Rhoda, <laughs> okay. but I did speak with somebody from, um, from that shadow hunters conglomeration. She's not a member of shadow hunters, but okay. she, was another another group that was tagging along. Okay. Well, I, um, I, I, I'm, so, I'm thinking I need to get up there. I need to bring some tobacco. <laughs> I need to get up there. I'm serious. Yeah, definitely. Really so, um, so, go ahead. Continue. Yeah, she, um, she was at the, the this whole group, this group of three ghost hunting groups that banded together for this two-day investigation. Okay. Um, they were there on Friday and Saturday. Okay. And on Friday... Um, I was not with this particular group. I was with another group. And I, I was like, man, why can't I clone myself? I want to be with every one of these groups that, that experience <laughs> what they're experiencing. It was, it was maddening that I couldn't be in more than one place at one time. Mm-hmm. But um, Lisa was in a group, and they were doing an, they're doing an AVP session. And she felt somebody gently grasping her leg below the knee. And she spoke up and said, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. And one of the guides of the Pollock Hospital said, oh, that's probably Rhoda. Because I had shared the story with the entire group, and they were fascinated by it. We all went out to Rhoda's gravesite on 
Saturday afternoon and left tobacco for her <laughs> um, just as a way to say hello. That was awesome. But Lisa, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was very, very cool. <clears throat> and that is also on the uh, the video that you're going to see for Shadow Hunters that's coming oh, cool. up on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I'll be getting on there to check that out. So definitely. So uh, Lisa was she she experienced this and she's like, oh, okay, Rhoda. And she knew the story. Mm-hmm. And all day on Saturday, she kept thinking about this, and she was like, "Man, this is this is so unfair." I mean, here she had such a frightful life, and she, okay, it was good for the last two years, but she's just had this horrific experience. And in the afterlife, she's still reduced to crawling around on the floor. This sucks. <laughs> that was her <laughs> word. This sucks. Yep. And um. Lisa is empathic and intuitive, mm-hmm. and um, she she came back to the the hospital on Saturday evening, and she started to you know walk around with the groups and everything, and she became aware that Rhoda was next to her on the floor, and she looked down and made eye contact with Rhoda, and Rhoda made sure that Lisa noticed her, and then. From a crouch, she got to her knees, and then she stood up. And she gestured to herself as if to say, See? It's okay. I'm oh. whole. Wow. Yeah. And Lisa got the impression from Rhoda that the reason Rhoda tugs on pants legs is because she knows her lore. She knows that that's what people expect her to do. So mm-hmm. she wants you to know that it is indeed her trying to get your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she wants people to know that yes, she's whole and healthy on the other side. Wow. Well, that's well. Yeah, that's a good thing, right? I mean, yeah, there would be a sad thing to think she's still crawling around on the floor. You know, what I mean. Um, yeah. So, in direct connection to her, like the doctor and stuff, are there are these entities there also? Uh, yeah, the, the hilltop is just crawling with spirits, and Dr. Zeller is one of them. Okay, um, I was wondering about I have, that. <laughs> I have a marvelous story. Um, a couple summers ago, when I was working on fractured spirits, I was out mm-hmm. at the hilltop quite a lot, and I met... Um, the architecture of the place is so magnificent that people just sort of stop to take pictures. And mm-hmm. there was a photographer visiting from... I think she's... I know it was California. I think she said L.A. But I got to talking with her just because our paths crossed. And she was a very powerful psychic. And um, we were walking around the outside of the Pollock Hospital after visiting inside. And she said something about um, how wonderful Dr. Zeller was and how inspirational he was. And um, our guide said something about, yeah, I kind of want to get a tattoo of his face so that I can have him with me <laughs> all the time. And the psychic kind of looked to her right and smiled and shook her head. And we're like, what? And she goes, he's standing right here. And he says, that's really not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> So you're there with all these different investigators and such. 
Um, were they getting, um, you know, and I don't want to spoil too much of like all the different videos and stuff, but were they getting some good audio connect, uh, uh, communication with the, uh, yes. you know, the spirits over there? Okay. <laughs> we got amazing stuff. And the, the video is premiering tomorrow night. So I will not spoil anything. No, it's okay. I promise, <laughs> I promise Nick, I wouldn't leak anything. Darn it. But... Darn you, Nick. <laughs> So you guys got to log on to YouTube and you got to find okay. this in Shadow Hunters and you got to look at, look at it for yourself. But there was something that we experienced that did not get caught on the tape. I really wish it would have because it was awesome, but it did not get on, caught on tape. So I will share this with you. Okay, cool. I have been at the Pollock Hospital more times than I can count. Okay. And I have never seen it as active as I did that weekend. Okay. We were seeing shadow people. We were seeing full-body apparitions. We were getting amazing hits on the EMF meter. We were getting audio. We were getting all sorts of things. So um, I glommed onto a group of women when we got there on Saturday afternoon. It was still light out. Mm -hmm. And since the Pollock was a working hospital at one point, they decided to turn themselves into trigger objects and two of the ladies, there are three of us down there, and two of the ladies had white lab coats on with stethoscopes around their necks. Okay, and, good trigger um, objects, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I want to say it was Lisa again that had this experience. So we went down to the morgue, and there's a small room off of the morgue that's the electrical room. Okay. And their chairs set up. And we're down there, and... Um, doing an EVP session, asking questions, um, singing songs to try and get the attention of the little girl ghost that is down there. And we're sitting in three or, well, four chairs, all kind of in a half circle. And I was on the end, and Lisa was sitting next to me. Suddenly, Lisa jumps out of her chair like she's been goosed, scares the taste out of me because I'm sitting next to her. And she goes, whoa. Oh my God. And everyone's like, what? What happened? Something had pulled the stethoscope off of Lisa's neck. Oh, wow. Huh. That would, that yeah. would definitely wake you up, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, now, now I want to jump back from it. You mentioned about, a. Uh, we were just talking about this earlier. You, you mentioned about a little girl's ghost. Oh, yes. Um, the basement of the Pollock Hospital at one time was used to store prosthetic limbs. And there's a spirit down there that we have found out. Her name is Elizabeth. She's a young girl. We think that she might have had a speech impediment because any EVPs we get that can be traced to her are kind mm-hmm. of garbled and not very clear. And we think that um, she is one of the children who got a prosthetic leg from this the storeroom where they were kept. Oh, okay. She's she's very active. She likes to play with the EMF lights, the EMF meter lights. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a group down there that um, they were recording, and they had a pebble thrown at the group. And just after that, they caught a ghostly little giggle hmm. on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, 
is it is the I know you said a lot of the buildings are like you know restaurants. Or is it like privately owned, but the whole thing, or is it like city owned, or part of it this um, and part of it that? Or, you know. Well, uh, most of the buildings are owned by the. This is going to sound really dumb, but the by the people who own them. Um, would that be kind of self-evident ma'am do tell <laughs> oh, sometimes there's a clutch between my brain and my mouth but not always sometimes it slips but um, the city of Bartonville owned the entire asylum when it closed in 1973 okay. um, they tried and tried to sell these buildings and get people to use them Mm-hmm. But um, the stigma of mental illness was still so strong at that point that they didn't have any takers. So a lot of the buildings got demolished. Wow. So well, yeah, there's quite a lot of them. Buildings. Yeah, not asking for myself, asking for a friend. So who would one contact if one wanted to go and Thanks possibly for asking, investigate? I want to know. Yes, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you're absolute best bet is to visit the Pollock Hospital, because that is the building that is dedicated to paranormal research. And that is, it's owned by the Limestone High School JFL, but it's run by a group called Insane Women Productions. And I know it's a frightful name, (laughs) but um, the, the, the lady in charge of this, Christine Morris, is devoted to the history and the hauntings of the Peoria State Hospital. And she would go up there as a kid, and she would run around the buildings, and people would say, what? Oh, you're insane. And she wanted to buy one of the buildings. She wanted to be in charge of one of these buildings. People said, oh, what? You're insane. And she said, well, you know what? I'm going to take this building, and I'm going to run a haunted house through it and and entertain people during the month of October. And people said, what? Ah, you're insane. So she decided (laughs) to call her group. Insane Women Productions. Well, there you they go. They can be found on Facebook, and um, they, uh, I think the website is IWP.com. Um, but anyway, they're the folks to contact for tours of the Pollock. Gotcha, okay. And you said they're doing a, they do a haunted house out of the place in, in October? Yes. It's all uh-huh. run by volunteers. A lot of them are high school kids. This gives them something to do. They mm. love it. And, uh, yeah, she has um, a couple of autistic kids, young adults, that that's what they do is they volunteer at the hunt. And that is, they find camaraderie in that group. And they may not be accepted in any other social group in their life. They may not be accepted at school. They may have very few friends. But they Mm -hmm. come and they volunteer at the hunt. And they have a family there. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's an echo of the Peoria State Hospital. Yeah, yeah, it is. They it, were considered family. And now the, the haunt group considers all their volunteers as family. That's lovely. So here's my question. If you were going to be in a haunted house, if you were going to be a character in a haunted house, which one would you want to be? I would want to be the guy that chased people with a chainsaw. well last year i volunteered and it was a great deal of fun because i was in the portrait hall and i sat in a i I sat on a stool behind a wall and i had a portrait frame around me 
and I would pose very quietly and then jump out at people as they were going through the hallway. And it was just tons of fun. (laughs) And if I had had more time to prepare, I heard a trick of the trade from another haunt decorator earlier in the year that they do a portrait hall. And what they do is they take their portrait frame and they staple um, like pantyhose material. Oh, and then you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're looking at it, it looks like brushed canvas. It looks like a portrait on canvas, but then you lunge out at it and the the, the mesh stretches and everything and you're trying to get to the canvas is, it's just bad. Bad okay, I might want to be that too, but I still think I want to change people. I still think I want to change some of the chains off. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So, is the yeah, haunted house going now then for the month of October? Yes, yes. They had their first. Uh, they had their opening night last Saturday, and oh, it was a bunch of fun. I'm told. I I didn't get to go because I had other plans. But, uh, oh, they said the screaming was music. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part, is hearing the screams. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I don't know. I I think that if I was in a haunted house all night long like that, and I went home, I might be a little twitchy from all the screams. I think I would hear the screams in my sleep. (laughs) Oh, man. The first time I volunteered, I was in, um, they they called it the Gorachiria, and <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it was a, a cafeteria set up, and the inmates, which included me, were banging their trays on the table and just lunging at people as they went past. And my job was to get up from the table and strangle the nurse with a phone cord until she slid to the floor and passed out. And you're growling the whole time, and and then snarling at people as they went by. My voice was roached by the end of the evening. Oh, I bet. I was going to say, you know, it may be fun, but it sounds like work, too. It is. It is work. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. But have you ever, do you guys watch New Girl? I I used to. I haven't in a long, long time. Okay. Well, there's one episode where uh, she volunteers at a haunted house. And they're they're having a conversation. They're all dressed up. They're on scene. They're having a conversation. Then people walk by and they go, rah, 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 rah. and then the, the people scurry past and then they go back to their conversation. And that's exactly what it's like. Oh, how <laughs> there's, funny. There's people, groups come through and you holler and scream and make a lot of noise and do what you're supposed to do on your scene. And then the group passes and everything relaxes and it's quiet and you just chill out for a while until the next group comes by and you get to yell at them. (laughs) My older sister took me to a haunted house when I was like seven, maybe. And it was, I was so terrified that one of the monsters came out of the strobe room, took his mask off, squatted down and apologized to me. (laughs) (laughs) I have volunteered at some of the summer haunts where they just do a haunt hallway. They don't do the full-blown October Mm -hmm. thing, but they just do a little mini-easter one. They have movies outside, and then during the intermission, or if it's a double feature during the break, they have a haunt hall. And (laughs) I volunteered for that, and there was this poor little kid 
that was he, he, he had his face just buried in his the small of his mother's lower back as she walked through and he was just chanting in this terrified voice, Monsters be nice, monsters be nice, monsters Aww. be nice down the entire hallway. <laughs> so we do have we do have code. We do have code. If we yeah. say code yellow, that means somebody peed their pants and there's a puddle of stuff on the floor that you have <laughs> to share. Yellow, yes, got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we say bite size. If if we know that there are little kids coming through that might get really freaked out, we yell bite size down the hallway and then we know to just throttle it back a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, that probably would have been well, good when I was my... seven. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Did they have cold brown for any reason? Did they have that? Uh, yeah. It's usually a cold yellow, but we have called a cold brown. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I just yeah. wonder how the I just wonder how the spirits that are there how do they feel about all this, you know, stuff going on? I mean, the interaction is we there any a lot interaction? Of for that. Yeah, we really? catch a lot of flack for that. We we have people saying that it's disrespectful to have a haunted house in the in the this hospital and blah 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 and oh you're disrespecting the memory of these people. But you know what? When the asylum was open, they had Halloween parties. The patients dressed up and okay. went to these Halloween balls and had an absolute blast. Okay. So I'm thinking that they probably like it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they just have a gas when these people come through. And we have had people have supernatural paranormal experiences while they're going through the haunt. Cool. So there you go. We have the we have the spirits joining in on the haunted house. I am not even kidding. Fabulous. Yeah, I don't I, I think that there are ways that you could do it where it might be disrespectful, but it doesn't sound like you are, so it's all right. good, right? So and we make sure people know that this is not the historical part of the tour. This is right. purely for entertainment, right? And we we do make a very distinction, a, a good distinction between the two. Good, good. Yeah. Well, so Sylvia, we've come to the part of the show where we allow you to shamelessly self-promote. So tell people about your books, where they can find you, what you have coming up. You know, any any of that self-promotional stuff. Okay. Well. My most recent book, my newest book on the shelves, is called 44 Years in Darkness. That can be found at Amazon. It's available for pre-order now, but it goes live October 10th, which is World Mental Health Day. And it is also Rhoda Derry's birthday. She turns 182. (laughs) Wow. We're going to have a launch party, and we're going to celebrate Rhoda's birthday. We're going to have cake and everything. It's going to be a blast. Of course. Perfect. So look for 44 Years in Darkness on Amazon. I can also be found at sylviaschultz.wordpress.com. And you can find me all over Facebook. I have pages at Fractured Spirits and at Ghosts of the Illinois River. All right. Well, it has been fun having you on and hearing some of your stories. And I hope you'll come back again. I would love to. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much and have a great evening. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate Uh it. Uh Uh-huh. Good night. Bye-bye.
All right, guys, that was Sylvia Schultz. The upcoming book is 44 Years in Darkness. Check it out. So we are going to go. That's right. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we will have a correspondence report. So stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas, then get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. A global secret society what imprisons your overall freedom, dismissed as a conspiracy. Mind-controlling technology, dismissed as science fiction. Evolutions in primal energies, ghostly apparitions, UFO and extraterrestrial life forms, dismissed as a fantasy. Three books, written by Maria Anna van Driel, telling you everything what can be known by revealing the truth of the most unbelievable actions governments have made in the last eight decades in mind and behavior control. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bizarre, please check out my website, winterbalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. So, you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is MixLR. You've been listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. And now it's time for our correspondents. Ah, that would be plural. They're from Salem, Massachusetts, uh, Crystal Vermis and Manny Vega. They are the hosts of the All Day Paranormal Podcast and All Day Paranormal After Dark, the YouTube show. They will be talking to us about a haunted object and a traveling ghost. Whenever you're ready, Cheryl. I'm Crystal Vermis. And I'm Manny Vega. From Salem, Massachusetts, we are your Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark Correspondents. We are also the hosts of the All Day Paranormal Podcast and All Day Paranormal After Dark, the YouTube show. Find out more about us at GetSpooked.net. Now, for our Paranormal News segment of the week. Uh, so this is a story actually from Weekend Weird, uh, and it's from Dana Matthews, the senior writer there. Apparently, I didn't actually know this, but she, Dana Matthews, and uh, Greg Newkirk, who co-founded 
uh, Week in Weird. They actually also run a traveling paranormal museum. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's awesome. Yeah, so you can add that. I would go to that. <laughs> it's called the, the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult, uh, where they take around haunted objects, and they actually let people interact with the objects, touch them, that kind of thing. I don't know if I'd want to do it. See, I don't I think know. You have to sign Curiosity a waiver. kills the cat. Correct. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, so this is a story of... Oh, don't tell me a cat died. Curiosity. No cats died in this okay. story, but it's, you know, the perils of curiosity. Yeah. Um, so this is a story about uh, uh, Dana and Greg were given a, what's called a ritual sword uh, from a guy in Kentucky. He claimed that his troubled son had been dabbling in Satan- Satanism, uh, and while he had destroyed the teen's occult paraphernalia in a backyard fire... He was in possession of a so-called ritual sword that he wasn't sure what to do with. Uh, his son had been using the sword to summon all manner of demons, and he wanted it out of the house and far away from his family. And so that's why uh, they agreed to meet him and take it off his hands and add it to their collection. And I'll show you a few pictures of the sword. Uh, Dana mentions in this blog how it actually kind of yeah. looks dinky, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Well, it doesn't look old. It does not look... <laughs> she's like, I expected something that was much like... Yeah, much yeah, more intimidating. Rusty, dirty, like, you would expect a ritual yeah. sword to be like some crazy thing. Yeah, uh, but it's actually like it looks like a little bit cheap. It's like got this <laughs> this like whack little <laughs> the wood. You're like, there's not enough patina on this wood. Yeah, it's just it's not as impressive as you might expect, and it's kind of right. wrapped up in like this uh, cheap leather sash. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> okay, see, a little spooky, not really. Right, but keep going. Keep and, going. So, and so to her disappointment, though. Uh, normally, when they have their objects in the in the museum, she says, you know, sometimes a psychic or a medium will come up and they'll like have an, a certain attachment to the object. They'll say like, oh, I can I can sense something coming from that, or you know, right? They yeah. Get a, and like the sword That's was getting the sword was getting nothing. The sword was like oh. to her, it was like one of the more disappointing <laughs> it's like items made in China. Yeah, but I don't know that label is a little questionable. <laughs> she she felt it was one of their more disappointing items yeah. in their collection because nothing was really happening with it, and mm-hmm. so she's like, yeah, this might have been a dud. And so anyway, they get to a, an event at the Stanley Hotel. Um, this is actually one of the, one. Or actually, it was the actual final paranormal event ever held at the Stanley Hotel. We talked about that recently. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. How they've uh, they've stopped letting in outside paranormal events at that that hotel, and so they're actually showing off the sword amongst all their other items. Um, when a girl by the name of Maria, which her real name is Maria, they just use that to protect her uh, identity, identity yeah. approaches them and asks to hold the sword. So here's the quote from uh, Dana. When we formed the museum several years ago and decided to start traveling the country with these objects, it was very important to us that people be able to hold these artifacts. Um, Up until this point, there was only the only piece that we don't let people handle is a strange carving that appeared to have a menacing purpose. And that's a separate story. But so they let Maria hold the actual sword. Uh, She smiles while gingerly lifting the piece out of the out of the display and walking to a corner of the room. At the time, there were over 60 people packed into the room listening to Greg and I tell stories about the haunted objects. So I didn't have the ability to keep an eye on what was happening with the young girl and the sword. After about 20 minutes, an event-goer pulled me aside and quietly informed me that she thought it might be a good idea for me to remove the sword from the vicinity of Maria. Hmm. As I scanned the room, I quickly found the young girl crouched on the floor in the corner, the, st- the sword still clutched tightly in her hands, and a very strange, vacant look on her face. I was immediately oh alarmed. So what I had missed while I was busy with the other guests was that in the 20 minutes since she'd disappeared with the ritual sword, she had started to swing the weapon around violently, pointing it at museum visitors and muttering (laughs) about how she needed to spill blood. I rushed to the corner where she was crouched, muttering to herself, and had to forcefully pry the sword out of her hands, which were both wrapped around the hilt, her knuckles white. Uh, Seeing as the event was currently in full swing, I suggested that she go sit outside in the fresh air and try to ground herself and implored her to to come back so that uh, we could talk in private. She agreed, and I didn't see her again until the end of the event when everyone else had started trailing back to their haunted hotel rooms for the night. I sat with Maria in an empty room and had her recount her experience from beginning to end. She had no memory of aggressively pointing the sword towards the crowd. 
She uh, had no memory of ranting about spilling blood Mm -hmm. or even me forcefully pulling the sword away from her. The only thing she did remember was that she felt there was something very strong, very old, and very dark attached to the artifact. So since the event, they don't let anyone else touch the sword anymore, uh, and they keep it kind of protected. That's the whole point of it, right? Well, the idea is like of those certain items that seem to have a really dark, menacing, you know, presence around them. They protect those from people. They don't want people to touch them. Yeah. Um, But she's she makes the point. It's an interesting one. Kind of the premise of this article is it'll take some time for uh, things to happen, and sometimes it it just takes the right person. So maybe like Maria had the right type of personality. Yeah. So what I was thinking is like maybe in a past life. Mm. Well, so okay. Not gonna lie. My first thought is maybe. I mean, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'm like, maybe she really is from, like, a Wiccan cult that uses yeah. swords like this for... Because then, you know, you hear her talking about spelling blood with a sword around the place. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, if she is sane, maybe she just has some past life connection to it. I don't right. know. Like, or... It's weird. Uh, in the piece, actually, Dana makes a good point. Like, what if the sword had been lying in wait and was just pretending to be harmless? Trying to get to Maria? And or like, just a person? Well, trying to get to someone and then, like, break down their defenses a little bit. So they're like, yeah, you can touch a sword. It doesn't do anything yeah. anyway. And then finally the sword's like, all right, time to work. <laughs> like, goes and tries to get her to kill people. Yeah. Um, okay, that was really creepy. Pretty creepy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So be careful, okay. I guess, if you ever go to one of these museums. So would you would you do that? Hold, hold an object? Right, yeah. I, I don't know. It kind of gives no, so, me... like, say they, the, the museum rolls through our town. Would you, like, touch a haunted object? I feel like I'd have second thoughts about it, to be honest. Supposedly, Wouldn't... like you said, they keep the ones that are super dangerous out of your hands. But you don't so... know. This one was super dangerous, and they didn't know about it, because it was lying in wait the whole time, you know? Like, who knows? My story this week is about a toilet. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So this one's about a toilet, but I swear to you, it has to do with the paranormal. So a town center pub is refusing to give up the ghost. Ha ha ha. Insert laugh track here. Mm. After its famous specter was quote unquote stolen by a Chinese artist. Lu Pingyon claims to have captured the ghost of James Stanley, the seventh Earl of Derby, who is said to haunt the ye old man and scythe in Churchgate. So that's the name of the bar, the ye old man and scythe. Mm-hmm. A sealed metal canister supposedly containing the spirit went on display this month at the Center for the Chinese Contemporary Art in Manchester, unbeknown to the pub's owner, Richard Greenwood, after the artist became captivated by the story and traveled from Shanghai to Bolton to catch the ghost. After discovering that the town's oldest pub is now missing its favorite phantom, Mr. Greenwood is determined to have it returned to its rightful home. In a letter to Mr. Liu, he wrote... I would have liked to have been privy to your actions and indeed to the ex- exhibition before the ghost of James Stanley was taken out of Bolton. His ties to the town and to ye old man and scythe run very deeply. I feel very strongly that James Stanley's ghost should remain in Bolton and at ye old man and scythe to preserve the natural order of things. That said, I do believe that your exhibition should travel and be seen by many people around the world, and I would like to contribute to this as long as, at the end of your exhibition, it returns home. Mr. Greenwood has offered to donate the chair that the Earl sat on at or sat at for his last meal to the exhibition on the agreement that both it and the ghost are returned at the end of the tour. Hmm. Uh, it is said that the royalist commander spent his last few hours at the pub before being executed outside the premises for his part in the Bolton Massacre of 1644. Mr. Liu came across the story of after seeing CCTV footage in 2014, which appeared to show the ghoulish presence at one end of the bar. The artist who claims he followed the ghost into the pub's bathroom before performing an incantation to trap it 
said, I was totally captivated by the legend that the ghost remained in the human world long after his decapitation. I wish him to exist and be treated as a real artwork and to present him around the world, getting respect and tribute from people everywhere. Mm. I told his ghost about my proposal the second time I visited this place, and James Stanley agreed that I can put him in a jar in order to exhibit him in galleries and museums alike. Come on. Therefore, in this way, he became a piece of art. I consider my exhibition at CFCCA to be the beginning of his worldwide trip. At the, after this exhibition, I plan to prepare for the next one in 2017. My original thought is that after the world tour of exhibitions, I will discuss with him and ask him whether he would prefer to stay like this as a piece of art oh. or go back to the ye old man in scythe. And that's the end of the story. This so, guy, I wait, mean, where's the toilet? Well, it's like, it's in the... Because he went into the bathroom right, and like, yeah, he, he found him in the bathroom. It. Yeah. This is... He's this, known as, like, the toilet ghost. That's a, This guy is a carpetbagger. He is Thomas Edison. He is taking advantage of this ghost. Yeah, I spoke to him, and he said he wants to be in a jar and traveling around the world. Please. That's a bunch of bull. So, first of all... He's like the bathroom ghost. So, here's an image I'm showing Manny of a... I'm showing Manny of the tin. Pretty standard, right? Yeah, this is, like a metal cylinder. this is basically what they make on Ghost Asylum to like try. I, I actually didn't think of Ghost Asylum when I saw this. So this is this is an interesting story because there's so much to 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 talk about here. First of all, do you believe that the ghost was actually captured by this dude? Well, no, I believe so. Like this is based off of the idea that you can catch, uh, not catch a ghost, but a ghost can become attached to an object right. and then you move the object so it travels with it. Sure. So if you believe in that, I guess yeah. So sure. So first of all. We I don't to, think you captured it, though. I think the ghost was, like, so he did I don't know, attached to, like... No, no, no. I think it got attached to the object, mm-hmm. if it's true. If this is true. What evidence does this guy, Lou, have that he actually captured the ghost? And why is the bar owner taking it on uh, at face value that... Like, does he have... Does, no, because, like, the, I ghosts? think I saw another story about it, too, from another uh, news publication that they just, like, they're... The, the activity stopped at the pub. The activity or stopped. So yeah. he, he seems to believe that there's evidence that the ghost is gone. Yeah. And so. And it's then, like not in the toilet. <laughs> Lou claiming to have caught it's no this. No longer in the bathroom. Lou claiming to have caught this ghost. Uh, we'll just we'll just kind of support his theory. And so, um, first of all, if that's. So let's assume that's the case and you really did take this ghost out of here. I personally think that's kind of bullshit. Like, it's not your right to just walk into a bar and take a ghost without asking and like talking. Like, it's like t- stealing property. Let's just say right. he belongs at the bar. And, like, this whole idea that Lou had a conversation with him and he wants to go on tour, I think, is a little fishy, to say the least. And He's like, an artist. Yeah, so. right. Well, in any, in any case, <laughs> I think, you know, this bar owner seems to be presenting this whole situation in good faith. And he's coming and saying, fine, you can tour with him, but make sure to bring him back. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, that seems like a fair arrangement if we're going to be talking about a ghost like it's property. But um, so is there any chance this ghost ends up back at that bar? I feel like no. no. I feel like no. He's de- and he made that clear by saying we'll have a conversation. Whenever anyone says, yeah. you just know it's like when your mom says maybe. Yeah, exactly. Or something you're like, okay, so no. That's basically what that is. Yeah, I'm very. Uh, first of all, I'm very offended on behalf of the bar owner about this whole situation. But I also think at the end of the day, if this ghost says like I don't want to be here, he's gonna go back to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so whatever, Lou might actually get screwed in the end yeah. thanks to uh, Lord Stanley. I think this bar owner should just start doing investigations and see if if the ghost is still around. Or like do the Ouija board. Yeah. Ask him to come back. Use that tool. Maybe he's still there. (laughs) We are back. That was our correspondents, Crystal Vermis and Mandy Vega. Again, talking about haunted objects and traveling ghosts. It was actually pretty cool. I listened to it and I liked it quite a lot. And now, what what, what time? I know it was. 
I know. They're, yeah, they're awesome. The All Day Paranormal Podcast. I got to check that out. And they also have the YouTube show, too, the All Day Paranormal After Dark on YouTube. So what are we doing now? What We're doing the lightning round, but I have to turn the computer away from Jim because I don't like it when he can preview the questions. I'd like him Uh-oh. to be just as fresh as everybody else. All righty. Okay. Well, I guess it's All right. That. So tonight, it's just you two, you, Cheryl, and Jim. It's the three of you. Yay. Okay. Are you all ready? All uh, right. No. Okay. Here we go. So I was I, I read in the Huffington Post today that Pokemon Go has been downloaded more than 500 million times since July. Sheesh. So, right? Yeah. So, in, in fact, when Jim and I were out recently, it was really easy to pick out people who were playing the game. It was a beautiful sunny fall evening. And we're out walking around. And... Um, Everyone had their heads buried in their freaking phones. So here's the question that I have for you guys. What app do you think that needs to be invented to make you stop noticing the world around you so that you never look up from your phone again, Cheryl? A sushi app. A sushi app. Like, would you be able to eat? You'd have to eat it, or would you be making fake sushi or catching sushi in little balls and... Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it would have dual purposes. It would, it would be a game, and then it would actually instruct instruct me where to go to find the closest sushi restaurant. Okay, all right, Jim. Uh, what app would make you, other than Facebook, would make you never look up from your phone again? <laughs> it's a, uh, the Superman X-ray Vision app. Oh, oh God! <laughs> yeah, just wait till that can of worms gets open. <laughs> Because when I say to Jim, when he's staring at a woman's chest, haven't you seen boobs? His response is... Haven't seen all of them. <laughs> wow. I don't Chuck? even know how to top that one now. Um, as far as an app, so in other words, you're saying so no one ever looks up again and just keeps... No, that you, what app would captivate <laughs> oh. you so much you wouldn't look up from your phone? Oh, uh, a, a, a paranormal destination app where it's just, you know, everywhere I go, there's like, there could be a spirit here, there could be a spirit, you know, like some way of picking up the anomalies. I would and just actually be, seeing them. Yes, I would be sucked in. I would never, I would never look up. I'd be thrown, I'd probably walk into things probably. Yeah, I would definitely. All right. Good to know. App developers get on those, except for the X ray vision app, um, because <laughs> I don't want other people using it around me. Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay. Uh, next one. BBC News reports science is discovering that outs- that the outside time limit on the human body is about 115 years. So, in other words, it's the maximum lifespan <clears throat> for a human being is about 115 years. Oh, okay. So, my ex-husband used to be super obsessed with being immortal. Even though he was like the unhappiest SOB I've ever met in my life, he totally wanted to be immortal. <laughs> Okay. So here's my question: Would you want to live forever, and what would you do your time if your bo- with your time if your body never wore out, Chuck? Um, I actually I would not want to be immortal. I would not want to live forever, um, so just because of well, just because of my beliefs that I have, you know, and our yeah. and our inner and our inner energy and where it goes and how it transforms and other things. I wouldn't want to do that because then I would just be the same thing for it would be kind of boring. I think. Got it, dude. Cheryl, would you want to live forever? Well, can we stay at a certain age? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I mean, if you could live forever, maybe your body wouldn't wear out and you wouldn't, you know. Yeah, see, yeah. I'm thinking if I age and, I, and I'm really super old, I don't know if then my answer is no. If I could pick an age but and stay you mean there. Physically, like, physically, like, yeah. unable to do things old? Because, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, there's wisdom in age, too. 
Let's see what Bob just put in chat. Physically. Room. Just physically. <laughs> okay. So, so, answer, so what would you do with your time if you if you lived forever? Well, you know, I'd spend time with my friends and family. I'd try and oh. I'd try you and continue continue on with with what we're doing now uh, in, in the paranormal and try and find more answers and that kind All of right. thing. All right. What did Bob put in the chat room? He put he put pre Viagra. <laughs> yeah. so, Jim, do you would you want to live forever? Sure. Why the heck not? What would you do with your time? Well, first I'd find the Kurgan and chop his head off, and then I'd date younger women. What's a Kurgan? It's in Highlander. He was the bad guy. They had to cut off oh, his head. Oh, you know, that's, I've never <laughs> seen... It's a movie <laughs> reference. I've never seen Highlander, so... Completely oh my, lost on you. I'm oh sorry. Oh, my God. Chad said he's going to diminish into the West. I think that's a, a Hobbit reference, right? Yes, it is. All right. All actually, right. Actually Impossible the the nerds all around. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> really. you. Ready for, you ready for the next question? It's I. It, it actually is based on a gazillion news stories. And apparently all I wrote is, oh, my God, creepy clowns everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. What I want to know is what is your pet theory behind this crap, Jim? Uh, I think it's like a big college joke that's going around. Oh, you think it's like college kids? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like flash mobs for uh, right. the deranged. Okay, Cheryl, what do you think? I'd really like to say it's like we talked about this before. It's it, it, it's clowns from another dimension. But honestly, I think it's probably some type of promotional stunt. And oh, I see Chad just typed the same thing. That was my answer. I wrote it down just a second ago. Promotional stunt. Promotional stunt. Yeah, Chuck, what do you think? Um, I think it actually started out as just, you know, some people like hoaxing and, and you know, just, to, you know, like you do for on YouTube or whatever. And it's just kind of like people picked up on it and just kind of snowballed, you know. And now it's we like got. Yeah. And you got like now you have really dangerous people doing it, using it as a facade, you know. So it get, it's getting mm -hmm. a little it's getting a little mm -hmm. scary now because my daughter, my daughter in law is freaked out. She has a shovel in the sunroom back here. Because she says if she sees one out in the yard, man, it's all over. I don't think a shovel's going to take care of a clown. I don't uh, know. I think you need like a, I don't know, what do you, what takes out like a rubber mallet or something? Um, <laughs> Chad is rubber saying. Chicken. Funny games till somebody busts a cap in Bozo's ass. <laughs> Chad is saying that maybe it's it. Maybe it Ooh. has had a family. I don't know. Any, Look up Stephen King. Yeah. And then, yeah, you you know, and a, no, I was to say, if you want to see a scary movie, watch the movie called Clown. Just came out. No, thank Eli, you. Eli Roth. No. Watch that one. Bob thinks All it's the right. remake of Killer so, Clowns from um, Outer Space. No. So, according to BBC News, there's a mm -hmm. woman who lives in Perth, Australia, and she can smell Parkinson's disease. She has, like, a super sense of smell. She can smell Parkinson's disease. So, if you could have one heightened sense, which one would it be? Why? And what would you do with it, Cheryl? Well, for me, gosh, probably a heightened sense of taste because I like to eat. Yeah. All right. Okay, good. Jim? I would want to be able to smell the future. What does the future smell like, do you suppose? <laughs> Winning lotto numbers. Oh. So each number would have, like, a different scent? Well, you know, I, I can tell the difference in the colors of M&Ms by the taste of the red dye in them. It's my party trick. So, Jeff, <laughs> what, what heightened sense would you like? Uh, probably hearing. I would like to have a heightened hearing because then you could hear, you know, if there was things going on that weren't supposed to be going on, like somebody going to rob somebody or something like that, and you could hear this, maybe you could uh, avert that and help people, you know, save people. I think it would be good. Okay. Well, Chuck right. wants to save people, and I just want to eat. Uh, <laughs> you know. Hey, we all have our thing, man, you know. Uh, we all right? have our thing. Okay, 
Okay, so there's an article in the Washington Post that talks about a team of Spanish scientists, and they determined that the world's most cold-blooded and murderous mammal is. Are you ready? Yeah. A meerkat. What? Yes. Also on the list, a bunch of different kinds of monkeys, sea lions, lemurs, a couple of kinds of ground squirrels, and a certain breed of chinchilla. So lots of cute, fluffy animals are on this list of murderous mammals. (laughs) So what I want to know is which cute, fluffy animal do you suspect might actually be a serial killer? And I think we'll start with uh, Chuck. Bunnies. 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 Yeah, they look really cute. You pick them up. Antioch. It's the killer rabbit. The killer rabbit. Yeah, they got the big front teeth. Rip the throat right off. Oh, oh, cute little bunny. He's a foul beast with sharp teeth. Oh, yes. Jim, what, what... Cute fluffy mammal, do you think is, ser- is secretly a murderous killer? Don't say my monkey, my dog. Now. <laughs> oh, I mean weasels. Weasels. Come on, they named lawyers after him. That's true. All right, and uh, Cheryl. Uh, go with squirrels. Squirrels. Well, they actually are scientifically proven to apparently be murderous, at least a couple of them, a couple different kinds. One of them was the California ground squirrel, and I can't remember where the other ground squirrel was from. Oh, did you say squirrels in your list? Yeah, she, she yeah. Oh, I missed yeah. that. Sorry. Okay. That's okay, but you know, if you suspect it, you know, I, well, I believe. Oh, marmots were on the list oh. too, and I, I believe that because marmots do break wires, which kill people. So that's mean. Yeah. Well, I know they're little jackwads. <laughs> All right. Finally, uh, also from BBC News. So um, back in the 1980s, there was this mystery in California because people were hearing this humming noise, and it went on for years and years and years. And scientists finally figured out that um, what it was, because it would start at midnight, and it would go on. And scientists found out that what it was, after people considered paranormal explanations and, and radio waves and aliens and stuff, it was a breed of fish. Um Wow. They are, oh, God, what was it? Midshipman's fish. And they would start humming at midnight to attract a mate. So this was what was causing this humming in California. However, there's been all sorts of humming throughout the world. It's generally known just as the hum. So here is my question. You ready? What's that humming noise, Cheryl? Wow, that's interesting. I, th- I think it's aliens. Aliens? I that, yeah, I think that they use that to coordinate. Okay. Jim, what's that humming noise? I think it's like... 280 million people going, hey, baby, it's almost closing time. <laughs> and Jeff, same uh, question. I, What's that humming noise? I believe it's a lot of people procreating across the world. There we go. And that's how we do it, folks. That's our lightning round. Thank you, Jim, for joining in again. Uh, you are, thank God, otherwise it would just be Cheryl and Chuck. And what fun would that be, right? Um <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you guys are fabulous. Yeah, too. That didn't sound very nice, and I didn't know that's, right. that's um, okay. Apparently, you know how some people have, like, resting bitch face? I have, like, resting bitch personality, apparently. <laughs> um, it's been a long week. It's been it's been a long week. It really has. So um, <clears throat> next week we have – oh, I'm so excited. We have Stanton Friedman and um, – well, I'm sorry. Tell me her name again. Kathleen Martin. Kathleen Martin, we're going to be talking some UFOs, dudes. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. They have co-authored a new book called Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers, The Truth Behind the Misinformation, Distortion, and Derision by Debunkers, Government Agencies, and Conspiracy Con Men. That's a long time. I think you guys had better come back for that. Uh, I think you should mm-hmm. listen 
five because Stanton Friedman is a whole lot of fun. Okay. And we Sounds haven't good. actually talked to her before, so mm-hmm. um, uh, I am excited to have both of them mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. All right. Anything cool. else you need to impart before we depart? Uh, <laughs> I, <did> <laughs> I like nice, that playing nice. words. That's good. Check out paranormalunderground.net. You can find out about future radio shows there. You can find out about our magazine. And you can find out more about our hosts and uh, our writers. So paranormalunderground.net. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our guest, Sylvia Schultz. And um, thank you, Techie McSciansky, for the lightning round and to our correspondents as well. We'll be yes. back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back next week. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.